So we are in a series titled, A Better Way, A Better Way. And we have a theme verse for this series. We have a theme verse, and the theme verse starts uh, chapter 11 of Matthew, and it starts in verse 28. So those of you that haven't been with us, I'm going to try to catch us up. I've got to move fast, though, so I'm going to move very quick through weeks one and two to catch us up. If you've missed them, you can go back. We have an amazing production team that records the videos every Sunday and puts together the podcast. So if you haven't, make sure you go on to kind of catch up because these messages build upon one another. And it's kind of important that we kind of track what we're doing. But the theme verse for this whole series is Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. And it starts like this. And Jesus talking to a crowd of people, including his disciples, says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And in this series, we're kind of unpacking this idea of apprenticing under Jesus. Like We talk all the time about following Jesus, and that's important. And in reality, that's the invitation he gave all of his disciples was follow me. But then what they, they kind of took it a step further. They apprenticed under him. He was the rabbi. He was the master. Those of you that are in the trade schools, you understand this, that you have, a, you have somebody that you serve under and you apprentice under them as you gain and learn and understand the way they do things. The same is true for the way we live with Jesus. So in this series, we're asking the question, what does it mean to apprentice under Jesus with him being the master and us being the apprentice and learning from him? Not simply following in his footsteps, which is important and matters, but if we follow but we don't learn anything, you're wasting your time, right? You got to learn something. You got to change something. So we're going to do that in this series. And in week one, we learned and kind of set the tone for the whole thing that Jesus never ran. He never ran. You see it everywhere. It's like as he went along, as he moved, and there's so many times that we hear the stories of Jesus and we think, Homie needs to run, okay? This is important, Jesus. You need to pay attention. You need to run, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but if my friend Lazarus was dying, I'm running, especially if I have the ability to heal him. But for some reason, Jesus didn't. And then his whole ministry and life was done at three miles an hour. Now, for many of us, we don't live life at three miles an hour. We live life at about 15 miles an hour, right? maybe even faster. We go so fast all the time that we don't have the opportunity to slow down and take a breath. And if we were to describe the way we feel at times, sure, it's physically exhausted, it's mentally exhausted, it's emotionally exhausted, but there's something even deeper inside of you that feels the exhaustion. You know what I'm talking about? Like you can't quite get to exactly what it is. You don't necessarily have the words for it, but there's something more inside of you that's exhausting. And I think that's what Jesus was saying in this verse that we read in the beginning. Come to me and I will give you rest, rest for your soul. And the fact is, as many of us move so fast, so quick, moving all the time that we are exhausted spiritually and we have no time to care for our soul. I made this argument last week, and I think this is true, that the biggest enemy of the life you want to live is the pace you're living right now. The biggest enemy of the life you want to live. All of us have a perfect life that we want to live. If you had the opportunity, you could write it down. You could tell me what that life would be. You would wake up at 7 o'clock. You would have a cup of coffee very nicely. The kids would not be running and screaming throughout the house, right? You know what I'm talking about. You have a life that you want to live. I would argue that the pace you're living at right now, 
could be getting in the way of the life that you want to live. Because as we learned last week and as we've learned through this series, Jesus was unhurried. Even when we read some of the scriptures, we're like, man, he needs to be in a hurry, but yet he wasn't in a hurry at all. And let me just, let me just tell you up front, I got I to tell you this up front, I struggle too, okay? I got to be honest with you, I struggle too. Week one, we talked about moving so fast and the pace of life we're moving at. Y'all, half of those examples were my own, okay? Because I am with you, I am moving too fast, I do too many things, okay? I'm not preaching at you, I'm talking with you. That, that this is what I'm learning as I'm reading the scriptures and apprenticing under Jesus as well. And then last week we talked about distractions and all the different things that pull us and distract us away from the things that we should be focused on. But there's some things that distract us from those things. Look, y'all, I'm there. I have been there. But that's why we're doing the series because there is a better way of life. And according to Jesus, it's when we take up his yoke. So for those of you that are Jesus followers, this is a challenging series to you because now Jesus is calling you to higher heights. He's calling you to something more. But those of you that aren't followers of Jesus, this is just good practice. Maybe you want to leave the whole Jesus thing, okay? And if this is a good space for you, if you're here and you're like, I'm kind of interested, I don't know about God, like this is a good space for you to be in because you can understand this, but I think these principles are universal across life. We talked about some of that stuff last week. So week one, we talked about the pace of life we were living at. Week two, we talked about distractions. And last week, I challenged you to start your day with God. to get Because uh, when you're distracted, it leads to a disorder of priorities. We talked about that. And I told you to, to challenge you to start your day with God. Today, we're going to talk about what that means and what you do when you start your day with God. Because there is a byproduct of the hurried life. There's a byproduct of the life that we live when it is moving so incredibly fast. And it's not a good one. The byproduct is that you, it costs you the relationship with your heavenly father. Because you're always on to the next thing, right? You're going to the next thing. You're going to the next thing. You're going to the next thing. And, and to be honest, it's when you are the most hurried and the most busy when you're not the parent you want to be. Come on. When you're not the husband you want to be, come on. When you're not the wife you want to be, right? I mean, the most of the time, some of your biggest regrets come when you are living at that hurried life, and it's an exhausting pace. Not only does it affect everything else, but it, it affects the relationship you have with your heavenly Father. Because when we live a hurried life, we give God our last, not our best. When you live a hurried life, Always on to the next thing, always on to the next thing, always on to the next thing. You give God your last, not your best. Speaking to the followers of Jesus in the room. That, that it, it, and you know that this is your life if the only time you pray is when you're going to bed and it's like right before you're falling asleep and it's only like a minute or two. And again, no shame. I just, I, and can I be honest? Can I be real with you guys? I just, I just did that earlier this week. It happened to me, and, I, and it was like after I finished writing this portion of the message that I sat down and I started to pray in the evening, and I was like, oh my goodness, is this the first time we've, we've talked? And then I was like, man. So, so this is you if, you if you're in that space. This is you if, if you get to a place where, and you've seen this true in your life, where if you don't prioritize God, he just kind of falls to the bottom of the priority list. 
right? He just kind of falls if you don't, if you don't prioritize him. You know that this is happening if when you show up at the end of the month, like you, you give at the end of the month and it's kind of whatever's left. It's not deciding up front what to give. It can be the same amount. Let me clarify. It can be the same amount. You can give $5 at the end of the month or $5 at the front of the month. The difference is that you're just prioritizing him. That's the only difference. The same thing is true where if it's, as it relates to your kids. Teaching them about God and raising them biblically is an afterthought. It's kind of like one of those things where afterwards you're like, oh, that would have been a good opportunity to teach them about God. But you never prioritize it, right? It's never something that you are constantly prioritizing. Because when you live a hurried life and you live at a, at a crazy pace, you give God your, your last, not your best. And to be honest, God doesn't hate you for it. He doesn't get mad at you or any of those things. Let me just go ahead and take that pressure off of you. He just misses you. He just misses you. It's, it's like if your kids just never talked to you. You would be sad too. Some of you have experienced that, where they just don't talk anymore if they're teenagers, right? And it's like our Heavenly Father is like, no, 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 I don't want you to feel shame and all the other stuff. I just want you to know I, I, I miss you. I would like to have a conversation. Because is it re- any relationship, any relationship requires two things, time and communication. The same is true for your relationship with your Heavenly Father, time and communication. Let's play a game real quick. How many of you would still have a relationship with your wife? If you didn't talk to her, go ahead, ladies, give them a look. Go ahead. How many, especially if, if, it's, if your love language is words of affirmation or quality time, like, I mean, it's, it's not going to happen. Uh, how many of you, uh, gentlemen, how many of you would still be married if your wife didn't pay you any attention or give you any time at all? Don't say anything stupid. Okay? I'm just saving you the problems now. Okay? We don't need food thrown at the Friendsgiving this evening. Okay? So, but time, the relationship, this is just the truth of it, and you know this, that relationships, all of them require time and communication. That, that most of the time, you can go back in your personal relationships and determine that they are falling apart because you're missing one of those two things. The third one that we're not going to talk about today, but is significantly important, is trust. But these first two are very important, and in particular as it relates to our Heavenly Father. And for so many of us, we don't spend time with him and we don't communicate with him. And then when we do, it's just kind of a, hey, God, I need you to. Hey, God, can you? Hey, God, would you? Hey, God, do this. Hey, God, do that kind of thing. And it can cause a little bit of a hollow relationship. I mean, let's think about your most intimate relationships. If the only time you ever talked to your wife was when you needed something, where would that relationship go? The only time you ever talked to your husband was when you needed something. Where would that relationship go? I think we all know the answer to those questions. And Jesus demonstrates this in his life. Because remember, this series is learning the way Jesus did life. He demonstrates it in his life. He was constantly in connection and spending time with the Father and in communication with the Father. In fact, Jesus prayed across the Gospels 25 different times that we have recorded. That's just the ones that they noticed. That's not the ones that he, made, that he definitely did separate. 
but 25 different times. And listen to these. I'm not going to go through all 25, so everybody relax. Okay, I'm not going to go through all 25. Okay, but I'm, I'm going to go through just a few. Here's a few. He prayed at his baptism. He prayed all night before choosing his 12 disciples. He prayed right before Peter looks at him and calls him the Christ. He prays before raising Lazarus from the dead. He he prays as he's laying hands on the kids. Remember the moment when the kids come around Jesus and he lays his hands on them? He's praying for them in that moment. He prays in the garden before his betrayal. He prayed three separate prayers. And then there's also, remember the prayer when he prayed for the future church? He prayed for himself, the disciples, and then the future church, everybody who believes through their words, he says. So he prays then. And then one we don't often pay attention to. He prayed in his dying breath. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. So if you pay attention to all these different moments, and there's so many more, that Jesus prayed often. He was in constant connection with the Father. Therefore, I would like to make the argument that prayer is a lifestyle, not an action. Prayer is a lifestyle, not an action. For many of us, we think about it like a button I got to press. I just got to press the prayer button, right? If I just press the prayer button, God's got to show up. And maybe you were given that version of God as a child where, you know, you kind of pray and then like you press the button and God shows up. But in truth, what we see demonstrated by the life of Jesus is that prayer is a lifestyle, that he was in constant connection and talks with the Father, spending constant time with him over and over and over again. And I want to take a look at one specific moment that kind of gives us our direction today as we continue to learn about this life of Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Mark chapter 1. We're going to be in verse 35. So I'm going to give you a second to hop in there. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. If you have your Bibles, bust them out. If you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to bring a Bible because we're going to study the Word together. We're going to learn together. If you don't have it, you have them on your phone. You have the Bible app on your phone. There's numerous Bible apps on your phone. And hey, I won't even know if you're texting. I'll think you're taking notes, right? So it's even better. You just wait till I say, break open your Bibles, then send all those texts you're wanting. I'm kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. Everybody's going to be like, pastor said I could. No, he didn't. If you also noticed when you came in, I gave you, <clears throat> you guys got notes. So, so you're like, well, why would you guys do that? Well, because we think it's important to take notes. You take notes when you go to college. Right? right? You, take, you take notes when you, when you were in high school. Maybe you didn't. Maybe some of you didn't. But you should have taken notes, right? We all, maybe you think back and go, man, I should have taken notes, right? So maybe some of that. Like, I should take notes, right? You take notes before you te- take a big test and that kind of stuff. I mean, I mean, you take notes. So I encourage you to take notes. Because if you want to change your spiritual life, then writing it down, you're more likely to remember it. And then you can even keep it. And then look at it in a year or two. Those are always fun. When you look at the things that God was teaching you a couple days from now or a year from now, it's important to have that stuff. So I encourage you, encourage you, encourage you. Take notes as we do this. So Mark chapter 1, verse 35. If you're there, somebody say word. Word of the Lord says this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon, which is Peter, this is Mark's account of the gospel. So you're going to see in this, in this book in particular, Simon is Peter, okay? Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Jesus, everyone 
is looking for you. Now notice something here. Everybody was looking for Jesus. You could say he was busy, okay? To put it in our terms, everybody had his phone number and everybody needed his attention. His inbox was full, right? You ever get, you ever like sit down and put your phone away and then pick it up and there's like a hundred unread messages and you're like, I'm so popular. That was Jesus. That was Jesus. Like everybody was looking for him. Everybody needed him. So if you're one of those people that you're constantly on your phone, you're constantly answering, answering phone calls, you're constantly answering emails or text messages, right? Then, hey, you and Jesus have something in common, okay? Everybody wants your attention. So even though everybody wanted Jesus' attention, he found time to get away. He found time to get away. See, this phrase here, the solitary place, is the Greek word aremos. Aremos. Now, this word is used many different times related to Jesus and when he would go somewhere. He had a relationship with the aremos in the solitary place. He had a relationship with it because he consistently went there. In fact, after his baptism, where it says wilderness in your Bible, that Greek word is aremos. Same word used to describe solitary place. Because, and Jesus is consistently going, is what it says, going to the solitary place to pray. And in the wilderness, he went, he went to the Oremos, and then he fasted and prayed for 40 days. So he's constantly going to that place. And Jesus found a way to get away from the chaos of the world, because this is what's so important. Some of y'all know this. You need to get away from the chaos of the world from time to time. You need to get away from the chaos of the world. And he found a solitary place to get away. In fact, his disciples would always get frustrated when they found him. Jesus, where are you? Right? He wouldn't even tell them. He just says, like, he went up to the mountainside to pray. And they're like, where'd he go? I don't know. He's up there somewhere. So, so the, this is a constant theme in his ministry, consistently going to the solitary place. And you need a solitary place. You need to find an aremos. You need to find a place where you can get away and disconnect from the chaos of the world. And now many of you sit back and go, Brandon, that's great. Who has time to do that? Right? Many of you are like, look, I got three kids and there's no quiet place. And when there is a quiet place, it's when I'm in the bathroom and it's not very long because then little fingers come under the thing. You know what I'm talking about? They like slip them under the door. Mom! Dad! Right? So maybe for you, there's, you feel like there's not an Aramos. And you're like, man, that would be great to have that. Right? And you're like, I never have it. Ever. But you can. And there's times that you can find it. And it's important for the, your spiritual health. There's times when maybe you just need to turn the phone off. And I know that's hard for some of you. Everybody take a deep breath. Hey, sometimes it's important to turn that thing off. Guess what? They don't need that answer right now. They don't. Maybe they think they do. But I've set my phone down many times, and this place has never once burned down. Promise still here. And the same is true for your life and for your work. Don't answer, and your team will find a way. Your people will find a way. But it's important for you to get disconnected from time to time from the chaos of the world. Jesus did it. 
So if the Son of God, just checking, if the Son of God needed to get away, then what makes you think you don't need to? Talking to the Jesus followers of those. And then you, we wonder why our soul is exhausted. Because we live in a constant state of connection and chaos consistently. Jesus got away to a solitary place. But he didn't just do that. It says that he left the house and went out to a solitary place where he prayed. He prayed. So he set aside time to communicate with his father. He set aside time to communicate with his father. This is what it means. So he went to the solitary place and he prayed. This is why this is important. And I wouldn't be wasting time. I just wouldn't be wasting your time here on a Sunday morning if I didn't think this is important. Because sometimes God speaks in the Aramis. Sometimes God says things in that place he won't say in other places. Sometimes God says things at a volume you can only hear in the Aramis. When you disconnect from everything else, and you separate and you get away from all the chaos, that's when you're going to be able to hear God's voice most clearly. Some of the biggest work God has done in my life has been in those quiet, solitary places and moments. Some of, I'm telling you, prayer and fasting every year is one of my favorite times because it's a reset at the beginning of the year where I sit down and I say, okay, I'm going to give this thing up. I'm going to recalibrate everything back to giving God first in the morning and giving him his time and going through all those things. And there's something powerful about denying yourself something in order to connect with God and pray. So we've got 21 days of prayer and fasting coming up in January. And I encourage you, if you haven't done it yet and you engage with it this year, it's powerful because it gives you an opportunity to kind of reset and recalibrate everything. But sometimes God only speaks at a volume that you can hear in the quiet place. In the Old Testament, there's a story of Elijah. And Elijah is on top of the mountain, and he just did an amazing work of God. He's exhausted. He's beaten. He's depressed. He runs out. And as he runs out and gets separated from God, God comes to him and then comes to him. And all these, I mean, God, there's all sorts of different signs God sends him. Lightning, wind, fire, all those things. But the scriptures consistently say God wasn't in that. He wasn't, in the, he wasn't in the lightning, he wasn't in the fire, he wasn't in the earthquake. He was in the whisper. So all the chaos in the world, all the power of God still means that at moments when he wants to say something to you, he'll say it at a volume that can only be heard in the solitary place. So many of us never have that time with him. So many of us spend our time doing other things. We come in and we say, God, I need, I need, I need, and then we're off. Glad. Thanks for your time this morning, Lord, that I get to put in my prayer request. And then you leave. But the truth is, it's meant to be a conversation back and forth. And again, some of the biggest work God's done in my life has been when I sit down and stop moving. When I sit down and I say, you know what, I'm going to give God time right now, I pray and then I'm quiet and I let him speak. The next verse explains why this is important. He says in verse 
38, Mark tells us, Jesus replied, so this is as soon as they come back to him, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. And he's like, he's like, all right, I'm good. I'm prayed up. I'm ready to go. Let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. Got things to tell them, stuff to do. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Now, I'm not going to promise you're going to drive out demons, although that might be kind of cool. Maybe not. I don't know. I've heard they're scary. But I want you to notice something key here. Jesus did the work of God after he prayed in the solitary place with God. He did the work of God after he spent time with God. Afterward. And for many of us, we need to do the same thing. That you might not be able to begin the work of God that he has in your life the path he says that set out for you, if you don't first communicate with him, you don't first connect with him, you don't first set aside just a little bit of time. It doesn't have to be a lot, just a little bit. If, you've got, if you're not doing any time at all right now, set aside just a little bit. Set aside just a little bit of time. And then pray, and then here's the big part. You've got to be quiet after that. That means you say a, couple, say a couple prayers, and then you just be quiet. The Lord, what are you speaking to me right now? God, how do you want me to respond to this particular situation? Because you can't do the kingdom work he has for you without being connected to him. Does that make sense? You need to be connected to him. That's why the first thing we talk about here is love God. You need to be connected to him to do the work of the kingdom. He's the source of all those things. So let me ask you this, not to give you too much guilt, but let's just play a game for a second. What if God has something to say to you but it's in a whisper, and you just can't hear it yet. What if God's been already answering that prayer, but it's in a whisper, just like Elijah on the mountain, and you can't hear it because you don't have any time to slow down? You don't have any, and, and believe me, I know, I understand. I've got, I've got stuff to do with the kids, too. I've got jobs, too. I mean, I, I get it. I understand, Okay. I understand how hard this is, but I wouldn't be up here telling you that it's something we ought to do if Jesus didn't demonstrate it for us. And he was busy. Son of God and all that stuff, you know? A lot of things going on. Redeeming the sins of the world kind of stuff, you know? Big ticket items. And he had a chance to breathe, to slow down, to get connected to the Father. And maybe you hear all this and you're like, all right, Brandon, <clears throat> I'm on board. Help me do it. Help me do it. Okay, I'm going to give you three things to help you find the solitary place. Okay, it's going to go quick. It's going to be rapid fire. So have your pens, your notes, everything ready. It's going to be incredibly obvious because I don't make things very complicated because I can't keep up with complicated things. Come on, somebody, right? The first thing you need to do is be intentional. Set aside time and a place. Mine is in my office. I set aside a time and I set aside a place. First thing in the morning, I set it aside and it's a place. I go into my office and I pray. That's where it is. And I do that because I have to do it before my children are awake. Because as soon as my children are awake, it's all gone. Chaos has begun and it lasts till 8 o'clock at night, right? At which point I'm just exhausted and I want to just have a glass of water and go to sleep. Right? So if that's you, set aside some time. Brandon, I'm so tired. No, I know, I know, I know, I know. But you'd set aside time to get that extra hour at work if you needed the money. 
Yeah, I know preachers aren't supposed to say things like that because it makes everybody uncomfortable. I'm just saying it's a priority thing. You know what I mean? Like, if you want connection to your father, you got to try. If you want connection to your wife or to your husband, you got to try. If you want connection to God, you got to try. You got to put in a little effort, spend a little time. Doesn't have to be a lot. Besides, like I said, he misses you. Second thing I encourage you to do is write it down. Those of you that took this challenge last year when I did it for 21 days of prayer and fasting, you did it and you've enjoyed it and you've loved it, write it down. If you have attention deficit or hyperactive disorder, that's you, you should write it down, okay? You should write it down. Don't think you're going to be able to stay on topic in prayer. You ain't, and that's okay. But write it down. here's, Here's a book that I got early and uh, it's called the Bless God Prayer Journal. Very easy. If you've never done this before, you can get it off Amazon. It's like 10, 15 bucks, something like that. It's not very expensive, but it gives you prompts. It's just a simple little square. I'm grateful for my prayer for others, my prayer for myself, and my reflection in God's Word. It's very, very easy. And this is why I tell you to write it down. It allows you to look back and see how God answers prayers. I didn't say he's going to answer them the way you want him to. He ain't going to match it up. It's not like you're going to put it in there and God's going to fill in the blank the way you wanted him to, right? But you'll go back and look and say, no, he answered that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he he answered that. Yeah, he he did do that. He just, you know, didn't do it the way I expected him to do it, but he did do something like that. Or you'll look back here. I've had this. I had this just a couple weeks ago. I looked through my prayer journal and I was like, man, I am so glad, Lord, you didn't answer that prayer. You ever had those before? Don't nudge anybody. All right, don't, 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 don't nudge the person next to you. They don't need to know that they were an unanswered prayer, okay? They don't need to know that. But it, you get to track on God. You get to see his work throughout your life. So important. So important. And then this last one, be consistent. Just be consistent. Now, I say it this way. We're all, you're going to miss a day. It's going to happen. You're going to miss a day? It's okay. If you miss one, don't miss two. If you miss two, don't miss three. If you miss three, don't miss four. You get where I'm going with this? Everybody understand? It's never too late to start again, okay? Just be consistent. Be consistent. Strive to be consistent. John Maxwell, the leadership coach, says this, motivation gets you going, but discipline keeps you going. That's the law of consistency. It doesn't matter how talented you are. It doesn't matter how many opportunities you receive. If you want to grow, consistency is key. If you want to grow in your spiritual life, consistently, consistency and priority is key. Don't hop in and then hop out. And hop in and hop out. You could do that, and that's fine, and God's going to love you just the same, and you're going to heaven, and nothing's changed in any of those aspects. You just don't expect a whole lot of life change because you're not really talking to him much. You're not spending time with him very much. You have to spend consistent time with him. Because like I said, it relates to your other relationships. How often do you spend time with your husband or with your wife? For some of you, maybe you just got the ring and you're like, dang, maybe that's why the marriage ain't going so good. Just did marriage counseling on Sunday morning for somebody. But, but the, the truth is, is that relationships grow with time and communication. Your relationship with your Heavenly Father grows 
with time, communication. When you do those two things, you begin to find the relationship grows. So you can get close to him and grow with him. So I have a question for you guys that I want to just ask you, kind of give you a little ruffle your feathers for just a second, and then we'll pray and we'll close. My question is this, and I want you to take it seriously. And that is, do you have a solitary place? Do you have a solitary place? Is that something that you actually have? Or are, are, you, are you something that you're serious about? <clears throat> or are you, and again, there's no shame here. There's no shame here. Look, like I said, I do it too. It's okay. I'm here to grow you, not make you feel bad, not make you feel like you failed. You didn't fail. You can't fail God. It's not that at all. It, the question is just kind of reflective. Where is my solitary place that I can communicate with God? Where is the place that I can go where I can honestly communicate with God and deal with some of the things that I'm going through? Because like I said, he speaks in the solitary place.